0: I'm your hostess, Shelby Martin, from Sarasota, Florida. I'm a fourth year student at the University of Florida, studying public relations with a minor in Agricultural Communications. Streaming Science is a student-driven multimedia science literacy program, connecting you to scientists and scientific concepts to enrich your everyday life. You're listening to our Science of Superstorms playlist. Superstorms are complex, with multiple scientific and social layers. In this podcast, I sat down with Dr. Alan Hodges. Dr. Hodges works in the Food and Resource Economics Department at the University of Florida. He serves as the Extension Coordinator and as the Director of the University of Florida Program in Economic Impact Analysis, which conducts sponsored projects for industry organizations and government agencies encompassing a wide range of activities and industries. He specializes in regional economic impact analysis, market survey research, agribusiness management, and biomass energy resource development. During our conversation, Dr. Hodges and I discuss agricultural economics, hurricanes, and the economic impact Hurricane Michael and Hurricane Irma had on the agriculture in Florida. Everyone, thank you for joining us today. Uh, I have with me Dr. Alan Hodges from the Food and Resource Economics Department at the University of Florida. Dr. Hodges, thank you so much for joining us today. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure, well thank you Shelby. My position here in the Food and Resource Economics Department is Extension Scientist. I've been with University of Florida IFAS for 34 years. I have a PhD in Agricultural and Biological Engineering from University of Florida and a bachelor's degree in behavioral science from the University of Chicago. But for the last 20 years, I've been in the area of economic impact analysis, and I'm the director of the economic impact analysis program here in this department. Uh, we're a, a shop of uh, three PhD economists who uh, do contract uh, projects, research projects, um, for a variety of clients in business and industry and academia. Um, we, one of our signature efforts is to do an overview report on agriculture, natural resources, and food industries every year in the state of Florida. So that's really our core competency in in. Uh, uh, agriculture and natural resources, but we also do studies on a variety of other topics like tourism, trade, uh, uh, fisheries, energy, health care, higher education, practic- pretty much anything, uh, any kind of economic uh, activity, you name it, we've, we've worked on it. Uh, one of our, in the last three years, one of our significant efforts has been on the economic impacts of natural disasters and in particular major hurricanes that have hit the state of florida in twenty seventeen as you know the hurricane Irma hit uh, hit florida and affected pretty much every single community and county in this state it was uh unprecedented in terms of its uh, damages to the agricultural sector and uh, we developed uh, very soon after the hurricane hit we uh, were mobilized to work on this uh, at the request of the commissioner of the department of agriculture and consumer services and UF-IFAS administration so we uh, reached out to the IFAS extension agents in the counties, uh, most most counties in the state because nearly every county was affected by at least in some way and gathered information from them on uh, damages that they observed in their counties to the ag sector. Many of our agents are specialized in different ag commodity areas so they reported on those things that they're familiar with. Some people work with cattle, some people work with nursery and greenhouse operations, some work with uh, vegetable farms. So each of them reported to us on what their uh, specialty area was. Then we synthesized that information together with the meteorological data on the storm. We got information from the National Hurricane Center on the exact track that the storm took through the state, and the wind speed zones out around that's the center line of that track so we were able to determine how much of the area in each county was affected by each hurricane wind speed of um, I think it was category four storm winds uh, when the hurricane first hit down in uh, the Keys in South Florida and. It gradually weakened as it moved across land to Category 3, Category 2, Category 1 and eventually uh, the uh, tropical storm forest winds that are I think less than 50 knots per hour. Mm-hmm. So for each of those wind speed zones we, c- we developed a profile of the damage levels to different kinds of agriculture. For a, for a Category 4 storm winds, for example, it was typically uh, 90 to 100 percent loss loss of uh, most ag commodities Uh, for a category one or two it was a 50 to 60 percent loss Hmm. and for the tropical storm winds uh, anywhere from five to twenty percent so that kind of shows you the range of losses and then we overlaid that information onto a map of all the ag commodities in the state that comes from the US Department of Agriculture National Ag Statistics Service it's actually based on Landsat satellite imagery they fly over the United States every couple of weeks during the summer and then compile this composite map of the that shows the main crop Uh, or ag commodity grown in each and every part of the state down to about a 30 by 30 meter resolution so pretty high spatial resolution on that and then we also combined that with information from annual surveys and the census of agriculture that's done every five years provides data at the county level to sort of ground truth that information we got from the uh, satellite imagery. We knew what crops were being grown in and where they were explicitly and then we knew what the hurricane force winds were and from that we were able to infer what the total value of losses was. Mm-hmm. We estimated that for each major commodity and then eventually reported that at the county level. We have a report on that I'll share with you. This was our final report in August of last year. The first report we put out was in October of 2017, just four weeks after the storm hit. We were very proud that we were able to provide that very timely information. We were, the state and local policy makers were really desperate to have any information they, they could about this. So we provided early information that was used for the state disaster declaration by the governor and then also federal uh, disaster declaration by the U.S. Secretary of Agriculture that enables federal disaster assistance payments to go forward to affected communities and growers. In February of 2018, I believe, there was a bill in the U.S. Congress the wildfires, hurricanes, indemnity program, uh, WHIP is the acronym, that uh, provided 2.36 billion dollars in federal aid for the ag sector mm-hmm. in California, which had wildfires that year, in Florida and Puerto Rico. Those three areas were eligible. That had Florida had Hurricane Irma and. Puerto Rico had Hurricane Maria, which was absolutely devastating. devastating to Puerto Rico. So we're very proud that our work on economic impact assessment was instrumental in getting that federal aid to growers here in Florida. And now, unfortunately, the way the federal government works is sometimes very slow, it's a very long tedious process that local communities and growers have to go to to apply for that aid. They have to prove that they had, they have to show their production history to demonstrate that they had these crops in production at the time. And it, it takes months and months. Some of that, some of the growers in Florida are just now getting a payout from that legislation that was over a year ago so it takes takes time.
0: What were some of the industries that may have been impacted more than other industries by the hurricanes?
1: Sure, sure. Hurricanes do not affect all egg commodities equally. Certainly there's uh, some are more more vulnerable than others. So this is sort of a high-level summary of the losses we estimated. The citrus industry in Florida centered in central and south florida really was the most hard hit uh, because the storm was the strongest in that area and also because just the nature of the citrus trees the very large fruit that's easily dislodged from the tree by high winds and also trees that were uprooted and that represents a uh, asset loss that has to be replaced over time. So that's separate from just the c- annual crop losses I'm okay. showing you here, that trees uh, trees, and other perennial plantings were additional, and also losses to uh, farm infrastructure, build, uh, packing houses, equipment sheds, uh, homes, chicken houses, milking parlors, fences, irrigation systems, roads that got washed out. Those kinds of long-term assets that were damaged is in addition to this. So citrus, we estimated, was about a $550 million loss. Field crops like corn, soybeans, wheat, uh, sugar cane, uh, about $500 million loss. Uh, nursery and greenhouse, $430 million, that includes uh, losses to ornamental trees in field production and also floriculture crops, foliage and flowers and other small bedding plants that are in mostly grown in covered structures but some of those structures were damaged. And to over $260 million in timber losses. The timber losses were direct value was over a billion dollars. But to put that in comparable terms with these other annual crops, we could, we converted that to an annual equivalent. Timber would have been harvested in a one-year period. It's roughly one fifth of what it was the total loss. You you can't liquidate a billion dollars worth of timber in one year. The the market cannot absorb uh, that volume of product, mm-hmm. so it's appropriate to adjust that to express it on an, an in annual terms that's comparable to the other crop and livestock numbers. Livestock, not so big damages. Some losses to dairies that uh, when they lost power and if they didn't have generator backup power, they weren't able to milk the cows for a few days or they had to dump milk because they didn't have refrigeration. Some. Some ranches had fences that got damaged, and the uh, beef cattle escaped and got lost or drowned in a swamp. Mm-hmm. And some calves were were born, uh, uh, suffered from exposure. So, but minimal loss is something on the order of thirty to forty million dollars.
0: Yeah, especially compared to those other commodity.
1: Groups. Yeah, pretty small compared to the uh, citrus field crops and nursery.
0: So that was just from Hurricane Irma. You mentioned the numbers or the timber industry. Do you know off the top of your head what the loss was with Hurricane Michael?
1: For Hurricane Michael, it hit the Florida Panhandle. Fortunately, it hit a very rural, undeveloped area. There was relatively little damage to urban areas, aside from Panama City and Mexico Beach, right on the coast. Mm-hmm. But inland from there, there are devastating losses to the timber industry. Okay. Florida Department of Agriculture Forest Service it has a pretty good program in place for assessing timber losses. They have their own aircraft. They can fly over mm-hmm. these areas and see the damage to the timber. So they estimated 2.8 million acres of commercial timberland was affected and that included 100, almost 200,000 acres of commercial pine timber which is the main type of forest in, in Florida and then 200,000 acres with what they term catastrophic damage that is over 90 percent of the trees were, mm-hmm. uh, were destroyed and we get pictures of some of these timber stands and they're just almost destroyed beyond recognition. Mm -hmm. You can't even tell that it was the forest once. It's completely flattened. About 600,000 acres of pine timberland that were what they called severe damage, that is at least 75% of the trees were destroyed, and then another 800,000 acres with moderate damage of at least 15% loss of the trees. And then, in addition to that, there was over a million acres of bottomland hardwood and mixed upland forest. That's mixed hardwood and pine. That's it's not as valuable, and some of that may never be cleaned up and, and replanted. Uh, it's very difficult to get into these low wetland, these uh, bottomland forests. They're wet much of the year and you just can't you can't go in there damages were largely in the in the forest sector
0: so you mentioned like as you you collect data from you have know, different methods that you use do you ever have a team that goes out to assess data or do you ever go out physically to different counties or different areas to assess damage or do you just take it from like at, like aerial views or anything like that
1: I don't Personally, you know, my, my job is to sit here in the office and kind of coordinate this, so I'm not the guy with the boots on the ground, but IFAS Extension has a network of extension agents out in each, each county, mm-hmm. and they go out and observe the damages and report back to us. We developed a survey instrument mm-hmm. with the Qualtrics online survey software. They can, and they, they can actually use it with mobile devices in the field if there's internet service, uh, or do it when they get back to the office. There's a survey that they fill out that, to describe each farm that they visited, the types of commodities there, and the percent damage to each one, and also damages to farm assets like buildings and, a, and equipment or perennial plantings of fruit orchards. We didn't have that for Hurricane Irma in 2017. We developed that last summer, so that was in place for Hurricane Michael that hit in early September. So that was a big asset for us. We had much better information from the field on Hurricane Michael. And then in addition to that, IFAS did uh, mobilize some extension agents to go up to the panhandle and do some drone using uh, small unmanned aerial vehicles or drones to fly over some of the affected areas and get very low-level aerial reconnaissance information on damages to those areas. Now that's more of uh, research in development. We aren't able yet to just take that drone imagery and look at it and say confidently how much damage we're seeing there, which you've got to develop a baseline of damage estimates to be able to compare what you see from the air with what our people on the ground are reporting so that, you know, they could say that, okay, if, we see, if it looks like this from 10,000 feet and we know it was X amount of damage on the ground, we can kind of correlate that so that in the future we'll be able to more rapidly do these assessments and have more confidence about our, our damage estimates. Yeah, all of this depends on having good information from the field. We can't make this up here. We've got to have credible, evidence-based Information on these damages if we're going to put this forward to state leaders and the federal government and make claims for disaster assistance. They, mm-hmm. They're not going to give us two billion dollars in aid if, if we can't back up those numbers. Right.
0: I'm taking a policy class this semester learning how to communicate with policymakers. So, how do you communicate your information with policymakers in a way that they understand it or even with consumers um, do you do a lot of educating with consumers or maybe a way that you can take this information and put it into I guess layman's terms for them to understand how this damage like impacts them or how agriculture it impacts them
1: yeah well what we do is part of the story it's not the, the whole story. In my domain of economic impact assessment, we try to put these damages and losses in human terms the best we can. We use economic models that enable us to estimate how many jobs are lost. If the ag commodity value loss is a certain amount, we can relate that to direct job losses. and. That's often a very potent piece of information for policymakers. It's still, it's all about jobs. But then also, the extension agents and others who are out in the field are getting stories from the individual producers to uh, try to put these impacts in more human terms. That it's, some of these are long time family farms that have been operating over a hundred years and now that family legacy is is threatened if they aren't able to to recover from this natural disaster. So we collect stories like that, IFAS uh, Communications does a really great job compiling a lot of that kind of information and that goes out to the policymakers, and in public news releases. We did a whole series of news releases about the IFAS efforts last year. They get picked up in the popular media, newspapers, TV, and, and radio. All of that adds to the body of awareness and knowledge in the in the public about the impacts of these natural disasters. And I think that was also key in getting that support for the congressional legislation with the $2 billion disaster assistance. The congressmen in Washington are hearing from their constituents back in Florida and elsewhere some of these human stories and that's what motivates them to vote for this disaster relief.
0: Um, So I kind of think with that we could just wrap it up unless there's anything else you want to touch on or add?
1: I'll mention one more thing, Shelby. You, you asked me bef- about uh, the effects on market prices that after hurricanes, that you know, it, we know that when there's a change in the supply of any commodity, it doesn't matter if it's watermelons or widgets. It's, there's going to be a change in the market. That change in supply will cause prices to increase, at least temporarily until the market uh, finds a new equilibrium level of supply and demand. In the case of Hurricane Irma, we looked at that in some detail, we tracked the trends in market volume and prices for three months after the storm in November and December of 2017 and January of 2018. And absolutely, we saw there was a quite significant drop in shipments of fresh produce from Florida during that time, consistent with what we had observed on crop losses in the farms. But there was a corresponding increase in prices that almost, but not quite, offset the loss in volume. So smaller volume of product produced, but higher prices per unit. So the total value of Farmgate income was down only a little bit. Lo and behold, markets work, markets adjust to changes in supply and prices respond and in the end, the net effect of uh, net loss in income to the farm sector for the whole season was only marginal. So that's kind of the good news to this that even though the growers get, their production gets devastated they're looking at better market prices so the ones who do come through it often get significantly higher income now that's maybe a cruel way to look at it they you know the guys the people who are losses they're still hurt it's but the ones in other areas that may not have been affected by the storms as much they can substantially benefit from it so there's winners and losers Mm -hmm. from these major natural disasters
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for your time, and thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Shelby.
0: I hope you enjoyed listening to our guest and learning more about the impact of superstorms on the economy and agriculture in Florida, as well as agricultural economics in general. I'm your hostess, Shelby. Stay tuned for more tracks from our Science of Superstorms series on StreamingScience.com and connect with us on social media through Facebook and Twitter. Thank you again for listening and we hope to hear you tune in next time.